Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Um, my name's Nathan, and I want to welcome you to uh, this experience of online church today. We're going to pray, and we're going to dive straight into the Word. Let's pray, and we'll go for it. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to gather at homes, um, sitting in bed, sitting in front of the lounge room with family, with friends, and, and to be open to what you want to say to us. Father, we pray that you would come by your Spirit, that you will open our ears and hearts to hear from you, that you would anoint me for this task to preach your Word. Father, we pray that you would meet us here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I was out with my family. I took them on a day trip down to Cronulla, as we often do down to the Esplanade. And we often do the walk on the Esplanade, then jump in the car and drive home. And usually one of my kids says, hey, Dad, can we do a Macca's run? Which uh, leads me to head to Tarrant Point Macca's, go through drive through and buy um, $1 large frozen Cokes. And that's what we did on this day. We bought the frozen Cokes and we were heading out of the, out of the car park. And before I left the car park, I put my right indicator on and I looked to the right and I noticed there was a, a, a pea plater coming towards McDonald's with their left, indi- their, their left indicator on, acting like they're going to come into McDonald's. So as, and I thought to myself, okay, they're coming to McDonald's. There's nothing behind them. I look left. There were no cars coming. Okay, I can go. So I, I slowly moved forward, and as I did, I looked right again, and this pea plate, I had decided to turn off their indicator and uh, go straight past. Now, it wasn't dangerous. There was no screeching of brakes. There was, it wasn't even close. There was no beeping horns, nothing. It was fine. And as the pea plate went past me, she looked directly at me, stuck her hand up like this, and then gave me the bird. Now, I had a conversation with my wife on whether or not I should show the bird online, and she said, don't do it, so I've chosen not to do that, but she gave me the bird. Now, in that moment, there were lots of different feelings that uh, rose up within me when I saw that pea plate give me the bird, and, and, and what made it worse was that my son, Joel, who sits in the middle in the back, said, hey, Dad, she just stuck a, her finger up at you. I, uh, I wonder how you respond in that moment. How do you respond in that moment? You know, in life, we all go through situations and circumstances where we have the opportunity to make a choice. Am I going to choose to honor God and obey God in this situation, or am I going to choose to please myself, which is, which is regularly about me feeling good, me, me looking good, living in a way that doesn't honor Him? We all go through life where we have to make a choice, whether to honor God or honor ourselves, please ourselves, satisfy ourselves. As a church, we're in a series entitled Encountering Jesus. And as we look at Jesus' life, he continually went through moments where he was challenged. Points in his life where people came against him, people challenged him, people gave him a hard time. And he had a choice whether or not to honor God with his life or choose to please his own self. And regularly, every time, he chose to honor God with his life. One of those times was in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is tempted by Satan. It was a really difficult time in his life. He just fasted for 40 days. And Satan comes to tempt him, and he tempts him in three ways. Let's look at this from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, that word tempted there... Um, can also be translated tested. And there's lots I could say about that. But for the sake of time, I, I won't go into that. 
But Jesus was out, sent out into the desert to be tested. And during that testing, he was tempted by the devil. He had, he had, he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, a huge amount of time. And then Satan comes to tempt him. Now, before we go any further, let's define this word temptation. Here's my definition of temptation. Temptation is when you're encouraged to do something to please yourself rather than God. One more time. Temptation is when you're encouraged to do something to please yourself rather than God. Let me simplify that. Temptation is when you're encouraged to sin. When you choose to do something to make you feel better, to make you look better, to do something that's all about you, it actually goes against what God wants for your life. Now, this temptation can come through lots of different ways. It can come through people you know. Um, parent, friend, someone who cares about you, or someone who's more distant, can actually encourage you to do something that, that, that doesn't honor God. Other temptations can come from the enemy or Satan. Him in his demonic realm can drop thoughts in our mind to try and lead us astray from what God wants for us. But this temptation can also come from our own self, our own flesh nature. If, if, if you're a Christian and, you, and you're watching this today, the Bible tells us that your old self is dealt with, it's died, it's over, it's finished. However, the Bible also says that this old self still rises its ugly head and tries to lead us astray from what God wants with it for, for our lives. And so our, our flesh nature can also encourage us to do things that God doesn't want us to do. Let me give you some examples. We just had a, a, a week of lockdown and you're at home with your kids, and your kids started out okay, but after a few days, they're getting a little bit, um, behavior's starting to get a bit uh, difficult, and, they're starting, and, your brothers, and their brothers and sisters are starting to get on each other's nerves, and it's getting more tense in the home, and as a parent, you're starting to go crazy. You keep telling them to stop do things, and they keep doing it, and it's frustrating you, and within you, there's, there are these feelings of frustration and anger. There's a volcano that's erupting in you. And what you want to do is go, I'm sick of you kids. And you want to say things you should never say and you don't want to say. Friends, that's the flesh nature, the old self rising up that's, that, that's trying to lead you astray to get out. That's, that's temptation. Another example, put yourself in the shoes of uh, King David for a moment. King David, the uh, second king of Israel. And for some reason, you're up on the roof of your house and you notice some woman bathing, some naked woman, and you think to yourself, I should go away. I should look away. But then this thought from the enemy drops in your head and it says, hey, it's okay to look. You're not hurting anybody. And in that moment, that's a temptation. And you have a choice. Do I follow that thought or do I choose to honor God with my life? Third example, you're in the workplace. And the workplace is toxic. There's backstabbing, there's arguing, there's, there's, there's people um, trying to pull this way and that way, there's bagging out the boss, there's all this stuff going on. And in that moment, some of the people you work with say, hey, come and join us. Come and gossip with us. Come and bag someone out with us. Friends, that's, that's temptation. Someone you know trying to lead you astray from honoring God. And in each one of those situations, whether at home with the family Seeing the naked woman, if you are um, in the workplace and people are trying to lead you astray, you have a choice. You have a choice whether to choose to honor God with your life and live the way that he wants you to do and, and say no to the temptation 
or you can go with the temptation, please yourself, and do things that God doesn't want for your life. You have a choice. In this passage in Matthew chapter 4, as I've said, it's, it's a passage where Satan comes to Jesus and tempts him in, in three ways. And as I was thinking about this, this, this passage in preparation for this message, I had a number of interesting thoughts. Um, and, and, one of them was, and one of them was this. If I'm Satan, how would I tempt Jesus in that moment? See, Jesus has just been in the desert 40 years on his own, just him and God. He's fasted. Some commentators would say he's, he's at a really weak point in his life. And Satan comes to him, and if you're Satan, you're thinking to yourself, hey, this is an opportunity for me to take Jesus off course, to get him out of relationship with his father, to get him to sin. What areas of his life am I going to tempt him in? Where are the kinks in Jesus' armor that I can go after? Where are the weaknesses in Jesus' life where I could go after? And he picks three things which we're about to look at, which leads me to this question. How would Satan tempt you? Meaning, where are the kinks in your armor? Where are the weaknesses? Where are you most susceptible to temptation, to falling into the things that God doesn't want you to do? Where are those most, where is Satan most likely to tempt you? Where are the open doors in your life where you go, you know what, that's a place where Satan could tempt me? Interesting question. We're going to land here at the end of this message. We're going to pray and we're going to think about this and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to ask God to help us in those areas. But for men, they often talk about the, uh, the uh, three Gs. The girls, temptation for men. The glory, the order of success and achievement. And the gold, money, wealth. Three things again. Three areas where, where, where men are hugely tempted. In the area of the girls, glory, and the gold. Three areas. And, that, and they may be three areas that, that, that you're tempted as you, as you watch this today. So let's now look at um, Matthew chapter 4. And let's look at each one of these temptations. Temptation number one. Temptation one, number one is about pleasing the flesh. Let's look at these verses, verses three to four. Remember, we've just been told Jesus has fasted 40 days and he is hungry. The tempter, a description of Jesus, came, um, description of Jesus, say that again, a description of Satan, the devil, yeah? The, the uh, tempter, a description of Satan, came to Jesus, him, and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Interesting, interesting passage, interesting temptation, interesting answer. You know, as I was thinking about this, I thought to myself, How is this tempting Jesus? I mean, what's wrong with Jesus getting something that he made, a rock, because he's the creator of all things, and turning that rock into bread. After all, he's just fasted for 40 days. Surely he's hungry. What's wrong with him turning bread to stone and eating it? Unless there's something else going on that I haven't noticed, and that's exactly the case. There's something else going on here. And we know there's something else going on by verse 4, for it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I, I just want to um, say two things about this text. The first thing is that Satan tempts Jesus three times in this text. And each time, Jesus quotes Scripture back to him. And, and the Scripture he quotes comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 through 8. Deuteronomy chapter 6 through 8 
is around Moses speaking to God's people. The people have wandered in the desert 40 years. They've come out of Egypt. They've got the law. They've rebelled against God. They've wandered in the desert 40 years. And they've got to the eastern side of the Jordan River with a brand new generation. And they're about to cross the river and go in to take the land that that God has for them. And before they go in, Moses speaks to the people and says, I want you to honor God with your life. I want you to do everything that that you can to honor him and please him. If you please him, it's going to go well with you. If you dishonor him, it's going to go bad for you. Worship him only. Don't get involved with other gods. And he warns them. And Jesus quotes each time from from those passages, Deuteronomy 6, 8, because Jesus fulfilled those scriptures fully, unlike the Israelites. The other thing I want to say is is, is that when Jesus gives a quote, to Satan, it's a quote in context in the Old Testament. Now, he doesn't give us the whole context here. He just gives us the quote. But if you're Satan, who knows the Scriptures, he knows the context. And when Jesus quoted the Old Testament, the people at the time knew the context. So it's important for us that when we look at a quote from Jesus, we are look at the context in which it's written. And the quote here from Deuteronomy, it's from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And this is what Deuteronomy 8 tells us. It says, this is Moses speaking to the people. Remember, they're on the eastern side of the Jordan. They're about to enter the promised land. He says this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. I put that in bold because those 40 years was about God testing the people to see what was in their heart. We're going to come back to that. Verse 3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you, here's the quote that Jesus uses, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What's the context? Moses is saying, God used those 40 years in the desert to test you, going back to verse 2, to see what was in your heart. And Jesus is saying here that this, that this testing that he's, that this time in the desert is a time of testing for him to see what's in my heart. And at the right time, God will give me the food. And if you look at verse 11, it talks about angels attending to him, which is most probably what happened there. But he's in this time of testing and fasting so that God can test him to see if Jesus is going to do the things that his father wants him to do. So that's what we see here. The first temptation for Jesus is around the flesh. Eat Jesus, eat this food, you'll feel better. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to eat now. This is the time of testing for me. It's about God seeing if I'm going to honor him with my life. So I'm going to wait until God says it's okay to eat. Jesus chose to obey his father rather than fall into the temptation of pleasing his flesh. And this pleasing his flesh, pleasing our flesh is such a temptation for us. Now, it's a bit different from Jesus. Jesus had a body, and he got hungry just just like us. But we're in a worse state than Jesus, because not only do we have a body that hungers and desires things, we also have a sin nature, which the Bible describes as a flesh nature that Jesus didn't have. That's our soul, our old self, that desires things to please ourselves, that make us feel good, that actually doesn't honor God with our life. And so throughout our life, we're battling with the flesh, to say no to the flesh and to say yes to God. When that uh, pea plate drove past and uh, gave me the bird, 
I had lots of different feelings and lots of different thoughts that rose up within me. Man, that was unjust. I did nothing wrong. How dare she do that to me? Maybe I should chase her. That was a thought that came into my head. Maybe I should put the window down and uh, yell abuse at her. That was another feeling that, I came, that, that, that rose up within me. Now I had my wife in the car and the kids in the car and I actually prayed, God, what do I do? And I sensed I need to just forgive her and move on. And that's what I did. But throughout our lives, we have these moments where situations and circumstances come up. Maybe someone has hurt us and our sinful nature says, say something to squash them, say something to put them down to make yourself feel better. Maybe there's a pretty girl in a swimsuit and you're a bloke and, you look at, and, and, and there's a desire within your flesh to look at her because it's going to release this chemical in your brain, this feel-good chemical, and it's going to make you feel good. Or there's a desire to have sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, with someone who's not your spouse so you feel loved and valued. Again, it's a desire of the flesh. Maybe it's to drink alcohol to dull pain or watch excessive amounts of television to escape. These are all desires of the flesh. And, and these things don't please God. And it's in those moments we have a choice whether to honor God with my life or choose to please myself, which is sin. First temptation was around pleasing the flesh. Number two, here it is. The second temptation that we see of Jesus is around his identity. And Jesus asked Jesus, and Satan asked Jesus this question Are you really God's son? Or if you are, then prove it. Are you really God's son? Then prove it. Let's look at this from verse five. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem. And had him stand on the highest point of the temple. The scholars say that that's most likely about 19 meters high, the highest point of the temple. And Satan says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Have you ever seen the movie Inception? Inception um, is a movie where these guys go into people's dreams to put ideas in their head for them to make decisions in real life so they can benefit from it. And in the movie Inception, they go into one dream and then, and then that, they go from one dream into a deeper dream, into a deeper dream, into a deeper dream. There are layers of dreams. Well, this text is like that. There are, there are many layers. Here, we have Satan saying to Jesus, if you are the son of God, let's prove it. And he quotes here, this bit here, he will command his angels concerning you. He quotes Psalm 91. Now let's look at the beginning of Psalm 91. The beginning of Psalm 91 says this, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from, and, and the psalmist then goes on to talk about, all the ways that, that our God will save you. Now talk about someone fulfilling this passage perfectly. Jesus fulfilled this psalm perfectly. He fully dwelt in the shelter of God, the Father, the Most High. He put God, the Father, was truly his refuge and his fortress. And Jesus put his full trust in him. Jesus fulfilled this. Therefore, this psalm says, the psalmist says, God will protect you from, and he talks about the many things God protects. And in Psalm 91 verse 11, it says this, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot 
against the stone. Satan saying to Jesus, if you're really God's son, you can jump off this, the uh, tallest part of the temple because God will send his angels to catch you and that will prove that you are God's son. Now remember the context. Jesus has just been baptized in water. The Holy Spirit's come upon him. He's heard God's voice, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. God's just said very, very clearly who he is. And Satan just goes after that and says, Jesus, if you believe that, prove it. And look at how Jesus responds here. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, quoting from Deuteronomy. Let's have a look at this. Deuteronomy 6.16. Moses is speaking to the people. They're about to go into the promised land. He says, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. Remember, Jesus gives one part of the quote. They know the context and Jesus leaves out that bit. But in Deuteronomy, we can see what the fullness of the quote is. And then we can get the context. Do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massa. What happened at Massa? Well, we need to go back to Exodus chapter 17. In Exodus chapter 17, God's people have come out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've seen the plagues. They've seen God destroy the army. And they're on the way to Mount Sinai. And they're in the desert. And what do you need in the desert? Water. They, they are run out of water and they complain. God, Moses, we've run out of water. Has God brought us out here so we can die in the desert? God, if you are truly our God, God, if you are truly our God, if you are really the one who brought us out of Egypt, provide water for us. Test. Look at what it says in Exodus chapter 17. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Just like the Israelites tested God, are you with me, God? Satan tries to get Jesus to ask that question. God, are you really? And Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What's Jesus saying there is this. I don't need to put my father to the test because I believe who he says that I am. I know that I'm his son. I know that I'm loved. I know that he's well pleased with me. I don't need to put it to put that to the test. And with the temptation here was around Jesus' identity. And Jesus says, I'm not going to test who God says I am because I believe it. And friends, that's also so, so true for us today. Satan will ask us this question, are you really God's son? Are you really God's daughter? Are you really forgiven? He will continue to put those thoughts and those challenges in our mind. And God wants us to stand firm and do not be led astray by those temptations. Because when we doubt who we are, we then take a step back and we don't step in to what God has for us. When we doubt who we are, we don't dream of the future like God would want us to dream. Because we are unsure. You know, as a pastor of LifeGate Church, as a church, we have over 300 people who are part of our, who are part of our community. And, now, and on my down days, I sometimes think, who am I? To lead a church of over 300 people, and it's a church that's increasing, increasing in size. Our online community, our presence community, our pastors community continues to get larger, and it's a real privilege to be part of it. But in that, I can have these feelings of, who am I? I'm this short fella. I talk too fast. I'm a bit soft around the edges sometimes. Have I got what it takes? And then I need to remind myself who God's called me to be. 
that God has called me to lead this church, that he's called me to be strong and courageous when he spoke to me from Joshua chapter 1. And he says, you will lead these people across the Jordan. And we have a vision, you know, to see seven campuses in the next thing. It's 18 years now. And we've got two, and we've got an online campus, there's three. And we have a dream to keep planning as, as Sydney goes west towards Badgerish Creek and further out, LifeGate Church to plant where people are going. And that's a big vision. And the only way we're going to see that vision fulfilled is if we trust Him, if we believe Him, and if we walk in who He's called us to be. And that's about knowing who you are, knowing your calling and walking in that. Do you question your identity? Satan will want you to test it. He'll want you to question it. Stand firm in who God's called you to be. Temptation number three, the final temptation, was a shortcut to power. Let's look at this temptation. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, last one. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. If you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. You know, Satan has authority over this world, and Jesus and Satan had the authority to give it to Jesus. The reason, and I'm going to talk about this next week, I'm going to talk about the message of the kingdom, and we're going to look at this in more detail, but briefly, that when God made the world, he gave man authority over the world, but man chose to follow Satan rather than God, and somehow Satan was given authority over the earth. Now, God is still in absolute authority. But, G- but, but Satan still has authority over the earth. And Satan says, Jesus, if you worship me now, I will give you some of the power that you had before you came here. Because we're told in Philippians 2 that when Jesus came to earth, he laid off some of the all-powerful, all-knowing God stuff while he walked on this earth. He knew he was going to get it back after his resurrection. But Satan says to him, hey, don't go through the next three years. Don't go through all the difficulty of being persecuted and put down and then, and then the crucifixion over the next three years. I will give you some of that power now. And Jesus responds by saying, Away from me, for it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Another quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. Remember, Moses is speaking to the people about going into the land. And one of the things Moses said is, When you go in, do not worship other gods. Continue to serve God with all your heart, with all your soul. Do not get distracted by the other gods. And that's what Jesus is quoting here. Just like the Israelites were told, I'm saying it too. I'm to worship God only. And the thing about the Israelites, they failed. But Jesus didn't. He worshipped his Father only. He's the fulfillment of all that Moses said um, to the Israelites. Jesus fulfilled it beautifully. He served God only. The temptation number three was around shortcut to power. And for us, this power thing, I talked about it for men, the girls, the gold, and the glory. The glory is around the power. It's around the success. It's around the accolades. It's around the position. It's saying, I've made it. And for men, this idea of if I get power, then I'll feel good about myself, that's a temptation. And it's not God-honoring. Now, sometimes power can be good if people use it well if people use it for the benefit of others. But many times, people want power so they can be in control. That they can say, now now I'm the boss, now I can get my way. And that's the exact opposite. 
when, when our Jesus talks about power in the kingdom. In our Matthew chapter 20, two of the disciples and one of their mums come to Jesus and say, can you give my son's power when your kingdom comes? And the story goes on, but let me give you the end of it here in Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says this, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. If you want power, if you want to be great, you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just like I've done. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, the pattern for power, Jesus had all the power and he chose to come and serve humanity, to lay down, lay down his authority, all that he had to serve people and to give his life for people. And friends, that's the model for us. So as we come to the end of this message, we see three temptations. Remember? Satan's come to Jesus after these 40 days of fasting at most likely one of the weakest times in his life. And Satan says, where can I get him off track? Where are the kinks in Jesus' armor? And he goes after three. He says, around his flesh, around the bread. The second one, around his identity. Prove it. If you're really the son of God, prove it. And the third one is around shortcut to power. Three Three temptations for Jesus, which also where Satan can tempt us. Which leads us to this question, which we spoke about before. How would Satan tempt you? If Satan looks at your life now, where are the kinks in your armor? Where are the doors where you are weakest? Because I reckon if he's Satan and he knows them, they're the areas where you're most likely to fall, and they're the areas that he's most likely to go after. So as we come to the end of this message, I want to give you 30 seconds just to pause and reflect and think. Just where you are at home, in your lounge room, sitting in bed, wherever you are, I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, God, speak to me now. Where are the areas where I'm most open to be tempted? And as God shows you those areas, pray God's protection. There's this beautiful scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that says this, And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Do you hear that? God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I love that. When you see those areas of temptation when you're tempted, God won't let you get tempted beyond what you can bear, and he will give you a way out. And that is when he comes by his Spirit and meets you, He gives you the ability to change your thinking, to get out of a situation. He makes a way for you to say no to that and yes to him. So again, how would Satan tempt you? Where, in what area area of your life would he tempt you? Take 30 seconds. Let's pray. Let's do that now. Father, we thank you that Jesus overcame the temptation of, of Satan. And he is the model for us just like Jesus quoted scripture, that we would quote scripture to the enemy, that we would stand firm and not let temptation as it comes, that we would not follow it, but rather we would say no to temptation and yes to you. Father, we pray that by your spirit, that you would give us the ability to say no to the temptation, that we would deliberately put our mind in other places, that you would give us strength to say no to other people, 
When the work of the enemy comes, we'll recognize what that thought is and we'll say no to that thought. When the flesh rises up within us, we will say no to the flesh. And God, that we would choose to please you with our lives. Just like Jesus did, we would choose to please you with our lives. Holy Spirit, give us all that we need to live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, friends, that's a powerful message, I believe, that will help you. I encourage you to take that with you this week. As temptation comes, choose to say no to it and honor God. Thanks for being part of it today. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the kingdom of God and how Jesus brought his message, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. We're going to talk about what that means, what it looks like. Be blessed. Thanks for being part of it. See ya. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected, and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.